We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernane. Joining us for this episode is Oliver Gage. No stranger to Modern Soccer Coach. Between podcasts and webinars, we've teamed up with Ollie on a few occasions over the last couple of years. Today, we're talking about the world of analysis in professional football, how to improve it, and maybe even more importantly, how to get into it. Ollie has worked in the professional game with Sheffield Wednesday in England, Houston Dynamo in the US, and then most recently with the Canadian Premier League. He's also built an online analysis courses and has consulted with a number of teams in the US college game. What makes this episode really, really special is that Ollie has come armed with a set of solutions that you're going to hear about today. Monday, the day this episode is released, Ollie is launching the APFA, the Association of Professional Football Analysts, and is inviting coaches and analysts to join him. It's a project that He's going to talk about, and if you're a coach with any interest in analysis and tactics, I think you'll want to get involved as well. APFA.io is the website. Get yourself over there. Modern Soccer Coach will be involved in it as well. Really, really excited to team up with him. But first, let's hear what it's all about. Here's Ollie. Enjoy. Ollie. Thanks for joining me today on the Modern Soccer Coach podcast. I feel like I've said that 20 times over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think this is actually my second appearance on it, even though we've spoken quite a lot, obviously, offline. Um, it's funny, the last time I spoke to you on the podcast, I remember I was in a, a hotel room in Vancouver overlooking the water, and I'm now in a dark basement in Pittsburgh, so quite a contrast. It's been uh, a weird four or five years since I was on, I think, with COVID and everything else. Brilliant. All right, uh, we're going to go into, we'll talk a little bit about an analysts, and this is directed at, at kind of young coaches and young analysts who want to get into the game, and, and I kind of want to move it into professional game and, and the elite level, and, and for me, the elite level is the college game in America, professional game, semi-professional, something that you can dig your teeth in from an analysis standpoint that coaches would pay you for your time, would that be correct? uh yeah spor- sporadically probably something we'll get into later is about getting paid for the work um but yeah uh that's what i'd consider elite you know the the college level at us uh, in the us is very good they're producing you know 10 million pound championship strikers in daryl dk and people like that so um it's as good as a professional academy in the uk certainly yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about your experiences on that there, maybe a comparison a little bit later. The first question I wanted to ask you was, what are the top three skills that you would say make a, a really good analyst at the professional slash elite level? Good question. Uh, really good question. Kind of put me on the spot with that one a little bit. I would say... Um this is this is kind of said a lot and it's emphasized a lot and it's very true i think 
the coach analyst relationship, coaching staff analyst relationship is huge. Um, for a, for a long time, there was kind of this feeling, uh, that analysts kind of thought they knew it all. They knew better, you know, the, they were laptop guys that didn't know the game. I think that's changing. You know, there's a lot more hybrid roles now where an awful lot of analysts have got coaching badges. They've got a background, uh, doing other things. Um, but that relationship with your coaching staff, understanding how to talk to them, when to talk to them, what about, and just giving them the feeling that you're kind of like one of them, you know, sort of thing. And you get it and you're one of the group is absolutely massive. Like at the end of the day, you can be the best analyst in the world, but if the people that you're trying to get to kind of change their behavior based on analysis, don't want to hear it from you because you're a nerd or anything like that. Um, it's just not going to work. So I'd say one of the most important things is certainly that coach analyst relationship and your, and your personality and your persona, you know, especially if you're spending time around the players too, you know, you don't want to be, uh, like I said, kind of like the nerd in the locker room while all the guys are kind of having a bit of a jive behind your back and poking some fun at you. Um, second, I think fundamentally there's a little bit of a and again this is i'm sure this is something we'll get into a bit later on fundamentally i think there's a misunderstanding amongst loads of people in the industry and analysts themselves at times about what analysis actually is and how good and what good analysis can do to help um i see it everywhere where uh you know twitter uh wherever you want to call it youtube places that people are uploading clips of videos with, you know, laser beams coming across it and squares highlighted on the pitch and players being dragged everywhere and all these special effects. Uh, and it doesn't actually do anything, right? It's not analyzing anything. It's literally just saying, this is what happened. And here's something that looks cool. And it's adding no value there. Um, so that's kind of on the public side. And then, you know, privately, uh, for an analyst working at a club, I think you've got to really understand what value you can bring and how you're going to bring it. So at the end of the day, you're trying to provide another layer of information and higher quality level of information. So coaches can make better decisions, have different types of conversations, do different things. If you're not bringing anything that changes behavior, then you're not actually adding any value. You're just kind of a, you're just cutting some video up because someone else doesn't have the time or, you know, the capability to do it. So. There's probably some value in that, you know, video analysis or being a video editor is, is valuable because it saves time for other people. But in, in the purest sense of the world, that's a word I'd say that's certainly not analysis or certainly not high level analysis. So understanding how it can help the coaching staff and how it ties into the bigger picture is absolutely massive. Um, then number three, I'd say this is probably um, influenced by some of the personal experience I've had, but I would say understanding, um, when and how to go and do things on your own without being asked. So if you're a young analyst, uh, or any analyst, I guess, and you want to be valuable to a club, the ability for you to bring something to the coaching staff that you haven't been asked for, that's relevant and adds quality to a conversation or brings a new conversation to the table, I think is absolutely massive. And I mean, you, like I said, we did the webinar series three or four years ago now. And I, I kind of told the story of how I, out of nowhere, 
approached the coaching staff with what I thought was a fairly significant area of improvement for a, a player that we spent millions of dollars on at Houston. Um, and off the back of my presentation to them, you know, we, we developed an IDP for a player and started looking to evolve his game and change the way he was uh, making decisions around the box and shooting the ball. Um, and that was literally me thinking I saw something, investigating it, finding some evidence and bringing it to the staff kind of cold, you know, out the blue. They didn't know it was coming. I just asked them for an hour of their time. Um, and I think for a, an aspiring analyst or a young one or, or any analyst that's looking to improve, having kind of having that drive to go and find something like that, but also the understanding of, of how to do it, what to bring and when is really important. You're not going to bring that up the day before a game. You know, you're not going to bring that up um, about certain players, maybe that's a little bit of a touchy subject, you know, for whatever reason, you know, you spent a lot of money on someone and the head coach stuck his neck out and it's not really worked out. Probably not the best time to bring that publicly in front of all the staff and say, hey, there's this massive problem with our star player that you wanted, you know, like, so just understanding how to approach the staff on that. And again, that, that ties into that coach analyst relationship as well. But yeah, that kind of self-drive, self-motivation, bringing something to the table that wasn't asked for, um, as long as it's okay, I think that's huge. And that's where you add your value. Yeah, brilliant. A uh, couple of things on that that I wanted to go back to. So first of all, was that it was that context piece, and and I really like that you're saying there. So there's a difference between analysis on social media and analysis where you're adding value, and I think that's a really good topic that I think you should maybe stick on it for a couple more minutes on the fact that some of the with with data, what it is in professional clubs and even in Stat and Y Scout. A, a 20 thread about systems and formations is more it can be covered in a in a pdf in two seconds like you don't need to know well it take you it take you less than 10 seconds to know that team x are playing in a 442 team y are playing in a 343 it doesn't take 15 minutes for a coach to look at that right yeah and then i guess and i guess it's core it's kind of a philosophical question of what is analysis then? Um, yeah, technically it's analysis. You've analyzed two formations, you've analyzed the way two teams set up, right? But that's, you know, and you, maybe you've analyzed where, you know, this is where there's some space being created on the field and whatever, but you're not really going much further than scratching the surface there. Um, you know, like, so if you, if you want to work with a head coach, if you come to him the day before a game or, you know, three, four days before a game and you're like, okay, it was four, four, two versus four, three, three. And here's some spotted, like, I don't think that really adds too much. Like, I don't feel really feel like a coach does much with that information. You know, what, what do you do with that as a coach? Um, for me, uh, there's different areas of analysis, right? There's pre-game, there's post-game, there's data analysis, there's video. There's, so it's a very kind of blurred gray. There's a lot of blurred lines, kind of gray area there. But for me, the way post-game analysis ties into your coaching methodology and the way you operate at a club is a million times more impactful than opposition analysis, in my personal opinion. So if you can bring good analysis or good information to a coach post-game, about the way the team are performing, individuals are performing. I think they can really grab some of that information and do something with it. So 
I guess just using your example, right? You, you've got an analyst that says, um, let's go with pressing, right? You've got an analyst that says, okay, it's Leeds against Arsenal coming up. Um, you know, in the last game, Leeds set up in a 4-4-2, they press, they did this, whatever. Arsenal set up this way. You're like, great, but what does that do? You know, what do I do with that information? How do I make my team better with that information? If you've got an analyst that says in the last game, uh, in the last five games, Leeds' pressing has dropped off and they were averaging 15 turnovers in the opposition half, and now they're averaging only 10. And when teams play Leeds, you know, they turn the ball over on average 25% more. Whatever. If, if you're Jesse Marsh, if you're Leeds' coach, you can now say, shit, our, our pressing or at the rate at which we're turning the ball over in the opposition half has dropped off significantly. Now I know what video I might want to go looking for. Now I know the conversations I might want to be having with our players. Now I know what I might be wanting to design a session on, do some work on in training. And that's what I don't see in the public sphere at the moment. So like we said, you've got even some of the data work out there. It's like, um, here's, here's the top presses in, in Europe. You know, you get an XY scatter off Y scout data that's grabbed and, and, you know, you, you make it look a bit prettier than, than, than I would in Excel looks okay, but it doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't really do much. Like, I feel like the next step is not there and which is, so what does this mean for a coach? So what do I do with this information? How does this tie into the coaching, you know, the coaching process? I don't see much of that out there in the public domain at the moment. You know, I, I just feel like. I'm just desperate for people to start going one step further, which is, okay, what would you do with this information if you worked for a club, you know, and, you know, I've, I've tried to help with that and with some people and, and publicly sometimes, but that's really what's missing for me. If you, if you get me, that's a bit of a long winded answer, but that's how I'm feeling about the whole thing. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Um, I listened to, it was the athletic football tactics, uh, Rory Smith. I thought this was really good. Uh, to follow up on your point there about the, you know, understanding that you can't go in and be, not be aware even about w what type of personality you are. He said, analysts today have to be socially astute not to go in all guns blazing and think that the data is more informative than what the tacticians are doing. So it's almost awareness of, a, almost like a social competence. I, I feel that when you're going in there, you mentioned about the signings. You have to be able to read a room, right? And be understanding that, hey, you can't go in proclaiming X and Y um, or you're going to be dismissed pretty promptly. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've i been guilty of it. You know, uh, very early on in my time at Houston Dynamo, uh, he'd already been signed by the time I was there. We signed a player called Eric Torres, club record fee, Mexican striker. He'd scored some goals in the league uh, already for another team. Um, but long story short, if you kind of drilled it down, a lot of the analysis work that, a, you know, a data analyst, a recruitment analyst would do would, would have raised some fairly significant red flags prior to signing the guy. And I personally think that if I was at the club, when this was all going on, we would have had a chance or I would have had a chance to influence that and perhaps we kind of went elsewhere especially by the time I'd been at the club for like four years and I was you know, trusted by the general manager a lot more. I think, I think we would have done things differently. Um, but at the time I'm like two weeks into the job and the club presidents in the, in the coaching office talking about the star striker or whatever. 
and I don't, I don't remember exactly how I said it, but I essentially said, we've just paid $5 million for someone that's barely, barely better than the striker we already had that we pay, you know, 150, 200 grand a year and an American striker called Will Bruin, who scored a lot of goals in MLS. Um, and I got that completely wrong. You know, I uh, never should have said it. Definitely shouldn't have said it the way I said it. I was 24, you know, naive. And I think there's a lack of understanding of just how much work it's taken for most people to get where they are in professional football. You know, you are, you are the elite of a huge industry, you know, managers have been the best of the best. They've usually worked their way up and put five, 10, 15 years of graft in and also having a playing career. So for a 24 year old analyst, that's never, you know, kicked a professional ball to come in and say, I know this, I know that, um, I can imagine it's incredibly frustrating and quite offensive. So having that understanding of where you are and, and where you kind of sit in the pyramid of football is very important, like really, really important. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, your interns at Man United and Arsenal that are literally not allowed to talk to the, the first team coaching staff unless they're invited to and stuff. It's very different, but, um, I certainly was guilty of being a little bit too comfortable early on in my career, I think, and, and overstepping a few times. How do you teach that? Say if you're, say if you're a director of analysis at a club and you've got five or six young kids that are just out of college, I mean, can you put processes in place that educate them on that? Um, so there's a couple of things. I think it's getting a lot better. I think analysts, there's enough public work out there now. I think the universities and places that analysts are coming from are doing a much better job of helping them to understand that. I think for, you know, if I was to be the, the head of analysis at a club again now or something, I think I would definitely have kind of like an onboarding process where I sit down and tell some of these types of stories, maybe to a young analyst, give them reasons why, let them know that it's nothing, it's not about their ability as an analyst. It's about just the realism of, of who, you know, you're brand new somewhere. You don't want anyone to come into a company and start saying this, that, and the other without taking some time to, to feel the place and read the room a little bit, um, let alone a brand new analyst at a football club. So I think it's a little bit of everything. Like there is a certain extent of you, you do have to fail and learn the lessons yourself. You know, you never learn them quite as well. If you don't, if it's secondhand, you know, or thirdhand, you only really, really learn deep down to the core when you go home and you tell your wife two weeks into the job, like, I made a massive mistake today and I really hope that I'm going to be here next week. And we just moved across the country to Houston, you know, um, that's when the really deep, hard learning happens, but yeah, you you can definitely prepare people for that and put some processes in place. I think that this, this institutional knowledge gets passed along. Hello coaches. We'll take a quick break here. If you haven't been on the Modern Soccer Coach this week, please go ahead and check out the new post five ways to improve your back four. We have a free PDF of defensive exercises. You can get that on the website. Plenty of new content up there. And also, if you haven't been on YouTube recently, we've got some new content on there as well. Modern Soccer Coach on YouTube, modernsoccercoach.com. Please go ahead, check out the information. A lot of free stuff. Thank you for the support. Moving along nicely. What do you think? A lot of a lot of people, I'm sure you get bombarded on on 
social media and messages about young people that all around the world that are looking and aspiring to work at the next level on the professional level and advice and there doesn't seem to be a pathway just like playing it's it there's almost this gray murky world of how do you actually get up the ladder as an analyst and connections networking and what do you think are some of the barriers that that are in place at the minute uh, for the industry um it's a good question, and I'm sure a bit later on we'll we'll start talking about what I'm what we're about to do to to try and tackle some of this um, barriers. Um, still, some fairly significant uh, barriers to entry in the first place. Uh, gender being a huge one, you know, lack of female representation uh, in the men's game and the women's game still. Um, race economic background you know a, a lot of analysis over the years has been has been built on a foundation of unpaid internships um so naturally if you can't afford to take the risk of an unpaid internship or even financially support you know doing the work without getting paid for it um very very difficult to get into the industry um and then opportunity you know um i was very very lucky my first job at sheffield wednesday I was best friends with someone who worked in the academy, came home from playing football in America, and they just needed someone kind of going full circle to what we talked about before. They were like, analysis is a very new profession. We need someone to cut up some video, someone who gets it a little bit. Most importantly, we need someone who's not going to, you know, shit their pants in a locker room full of professional football players you know and uh, three days later i was in meeting the head coach and the academy manager and and kind of you know a week after that i was in at sheffield wednesday um if i didn't have that friendship it wouldn't have happened you know i was i didn't go to university to do analysis i didn't take courses um it's changed now you know there's a there's a university pathway there's there's loads of university courses but you know they're extremely expensive at the moment and the compensation as an analyst in the uk certainly is is not great considering how much you have to invest in yourself to get that opportunity um so yeah there's there's still a lot of barriers that need broken down uh, and that's before we even start with you know when do players former players start going into the analysis industry which I don't think it's going to happen too much in terms of like being the first team analyst that does opposition scouting I don't see a former Premier League player on a hundred grand a week taking the 30 grand a week job on the first team staff uh, 30 grand a month uh, a year even sorry uh, which is like quite literally some of the salaries um, I don't think they're doing that but do we see players start working as individual analysts to you know to younger ones do we see former pros uh, doing things like that yeah I think that's even potentially some more competition coming in so um there's still an awful lot of barriers and it's a long long way at the moment the industry where the absolute best end up being the best because there's so many opportunities where some incredibly talented analysts just can't get into a club can't get into into the kind of ecosystem and work their way up so still pretty frustrating for a lot of people I think we're going to get to solutions in a few minutes uh before i do i want to ask you about when you start building online courses and what gap did you see that that you felt that wasn't there from 
you know, I know in England there's a lot more educates expensive, but there is the university pathway. What did you see that you thought, no, 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 we need to do more of this here um, when we're educating around the world? Yeah, so I did a sports coaching degree at uh, Leeds Met in England, and we had one module on performance analysis. And at the time, it was very, very, very basic. Um, and I came to, you know, I got, I went to America on a scholarship, did a, did a marketing degree. Uh, don't use it. It was completely useless. I, That's I what I did too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, marketing degree from a party school. Um, it was, it was an excuse to come to America and play truly. Um, came home, like we just told the story of the, uh, of getting a job at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, the gap I saw, I was at Houston as an analyst. I had loads of people reaching out to me saying, how do I be an analyst? And I just didn't have anywhere to point them other than saying, go and do a university degree for, for 10 grand, you know, 10,000 pounds a year, invest 40 grand over three years between, between the course fees and housing on yourself, just so you could maybe get a job being an assistant analyst for 20 grand a year, you know, like it, it the juice was just wasn't worth the squeeze. Um, and I thought about the fact that I was self-taught. Um, I thought about the fact that I went from having never done a day of analysis in my life to being the head of analysis and, and technical recruitment at Houston in, in major league soccer and my journey. And I, I was just thinking, you know, other than being organized and disciplined and really driven to learn and improve everything I did learn was publicly available for the most part. You just had to kind of collect it together, organize it and put it into something deliverable. Um, so when you coupled that opportunity with the fact that I had all these people asking me how to do it, um, I just saw a huge gap there. I just thought there's, there's loads of people that need some help. I've got, I've literally done it myself. And especially in the U S there was no analysis injury in, industry at the time. So there was kind of like the perfect storm, you know, the Venn diagram of knowledge opportunity and, and all the rest of it, you know, like I sat in the middle of it all. So I just thought I'm going to do it. I'm going to build myself a, a platform, which teaches people how to, how to conduct analysis and things like that. And I kind of just went for it. Okay. APFA, because you're making an announcement this week, uh, hopefully with this dropping, everyone's going to get the information. Uh, talk to me about the inspiration behind almost the moving coach tech into APFA and, and what you're trying to do. Yeah, so, I mean, with everything we've just spoken about, there's a huge gap in the industry. If you, so just, just to be clear, the APFA is the Association of Professional Football Analysis. Um, it's going to be an actual body, not just me, you know, coach tech was just me. Um, I'm shutting it down. I've gathered uh, some other analysts some people that work in the business side of, of analysis, providing software and services and stuff. There's now a body of people that want to put their name on this and, and kind of create a, a more formalized institution body that represents analysis and analysts, you know, it's kind of like by analysts for analysts type thing. Um, there's a league managers association, the supporters in worldwide football supporters have an association, agents have one, um, you know, sports science has one scouts have an, in, have a, uh, an association. There's nothing there for the analysis world. I've, I've called it for many years. It's like the wild west, right? Like, first of all, 
there's no definition of roles really. You've got video analysts, tactical analysts, data analysts, recruitment analysts. Like I've done a little bit of everything in my time and and nothing a hundred percent at the same time. You know, now I'm kind of I'm on the way out of the analysis world and more kind of sporting director type of type of uh, job. Um, so there's there's no kind of there's no industry recognized standard, even in, in badges, really, you know, you've got people like me at coach tech that have delivered something and federations are just slowly starting to, to build their own courses in analysis. Um, many of them still aren't built by analysts, which is so strange to me. Um, but usually you've got a, a former scout or a coach or someone that's building an analysis license and you would never have that with sports science or coaching itself you know it would be unheard of so it's very very strange to me um so what we're trying to do is formalize things a little bit more create a body that represents analysis and tries to tackle some of these issues we've outlined so uh, barriers to entry for underrepresented groups is going to be a huge one. Uh, we're going to try and break down some of those barriers with funding for underrepresented people. Um, you know, whether that's courses, it could be mentorship, helping them to fund, literally putting petrol or gas in their car if they do have to do an unpaid internship. You know, um, I I don't believe that professional clubs really should have unpaid interns at this point, especially with the amount of money in the professional game. But it's happening, and people are working for free. So can we help fund them somehow, you know, on a case by case basis? It depends how big we grow, I guess. Um, but definitely breaking down some of those barriers, you know, the kind of social economic barriers, but also this kind of problem I talked about earlier, which is the quality and the level of public analysis, I think has, um, has almost dragged down analyst salaries and the reputation and impact that analysts can have in the professional game. So. Um, there's a very famous study. I can't remember the name of it now, but it's about lemons, right? It's a, it's a very, it's actually a bit of an inside joke in the, in the data analysis industry because of a, a fairly prominent one that talked about selling lemons. But, um, if you, I think it started with car sales, right? If you've got somebody in the middle that knows nothing about the quality of a car and over here, you've got a Porsche and over here, you've got a Skoda to them, the average of two cars is whatever's in the middle. Right. So if you're the Porsche analyst and there's people out there being not so great analysts on the other side, somewhere along the line, the average level of analysis is here and that's the value of it. And there's no way to differentiate what a good analyst is and a bad analyst is. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what's happened in, in the football world a little bit where because of what's out there publicly in analysis, people, a lot of people think, oh, I can do analysis. I've seen it. You know, I've, I've seen it. I've, you've, there's some Twitter accounts that have got like quite literally hundreds of thousands of followers tweeting out total bullshit about analysis that adds no value. And you've got coaches and people seeing that being like, oh yeah, we, we do analysis here. We can do analysis, you know, so it's not that hard to do. So let's go and get some, some kid that wants to do it for 20 grand a year. Um, and the reality is if you have a really, really good top level operator. They're worth far more than that to your organization. Um, but I just feel like the reputation and the impact that analysis can have and good analysts can have in the football industry is being, um, is being impacted by some of the, some of the problems in public analysis that I kind of outlined a little bit. So. 
we, yeah, we're trying to we're trying to build a platform to help tackle some of these issues and and educate and it's formally, you know, with with some of the licensing um, or informally through webinars and blogs and, and some of that type of stuff, all analysis centered. I think once as well, from my perspective, once you get like minded people and quality in and you get people who want that type of it also drives the quality higher. Whereas I think why Twitter is why the quality is so low is because there's low bearing fruit, right? I've done it myself. Um, you're trying to get some traction and an easy traction is pick a team that, you know, do a pep build out or, or do a club press or do something that's real. It doesn't really challenge you. If you, if you actually do something at, at, that you spend a week or two and stick it on Twitter Sometimes it's just crickets if it's not um, if it's not marketable almost, or if it doesn't appeal to that fan base. And I feel like that's what's held, or to criticism, and that, I think that's what's held analysis back as well. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's um, it's it's not just football analysis, right? It's the world in general at the moment that being being fast and being first is mm-hmm. is often more important than being right. Um, not to get all political about misinformation and and all the rest of it, but. Um, you know, if, uh, I've not even looked at the fixtures for this weekend, but if Man United played Man City, uh, it's the accounts that are getting video up during the game, after the game, whatever, that are getting all the traction. If you spend six days putting something together and you're releasing something on a Thursday afternoon, all the discord's gone, all the conversation's gone, people are onto the next thing. So like we talked about before, it's the one that's got the laser beam coming down on Ronaldo or focusing on, you know, Man City's shape, but it just scratches the surface of what's actually going on. Gets you a hundred retweets, a bunch of new followers, gets you whatever it is that you want from releasing your video and you're winning, you know, you're, you're getting the engagement you're doing. And then other people are seeing it. Other accounts are seeing it. That in the public's eye is what analysis is, right? Because someone calls himself an analyst on Twitter that's got no credentials, never worked for a club, never had a conversation with a head coach, probably. They're representing analysis publicly. Um, and it's been a huge, huge problem. Whereas take an industry like sports science, no, no one, first of all, no one's tweeting out uh, live kind of like actual sports science specific kind of metrics like, you know, uh, high intensity sprints or whatever it is, you know, maybe you get a bit of total distance run that only fits in with the narrative of whichever team lost a lazy, you know, but also you're talking about science, right? So no one wants to talk about energy systems and, uh, ATPPC, I think it's called, you know, like all these different things that are in the, the science world. It's quite intimidating to people, shots, passes, you know, through balls, whatever. It's fun. Everyone can talk about that. I'm an analyst. I played football. I know what a shot is. I know what a pass is, you know, but it isn't really, but it's much easier to talk about because physios know what crosses are, but they're not professional coaches. I don't know anything about injuries because I'm not a physio. So there's, everyone can have an an opinion on football. Um, Whereas other industries, I think they've got kind of like the, uh, almost like the safety of the unknown for, for people to, to publicly discuss. So yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting, complicated problem, you know, really, really complicated problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, but yeah, you're right. The fast and, and quick and easy. That's the one that is, is bringing down and you're right. And I, I never thought of it before from being away. You're actually bringing down 
what what the impression of a good analyst is because now you're tired everyone's tired with the same brush almost yeah yeah uh and, and i think you know there's some really really high level analysts out there that are obviously operating in you know, the top top levels of the game and they don't need it anymore you know they've got their network they've got the contacts the head coach is probably going to hire him at his next club you know they've got they've got what they need um but for a really good analyst or someone that's going to be a world-class analyst in the future that's currently 21 years old 22 25 whatever how do they get there like how do they do this because the chances are they have to go and work at best for a club that might not value analysis so highly you know um might not be as sophisticated and if they go into that club and the impression within that club is the analyst does job x which is not a very good job a very valuable job it's incredibly hard to change that narrative and get it to okay this is actually what a good analyst does you know it takes a long time to break down the down those barriers and, and prove what you are and that is that's a, a an environment created by like we talked about this this kind of belief of what analysis is and that belief in itself is created by poor public analysis um, mm. so yeah it it kind of just i'm trying to think of a another way to say it. you know you could take me to a michelin star restaurant but because i can't cook and i'm fairly basic in my food tastes i won't value that chef's work even though he's the best chef in the, the world you know what i mean like whereas someone that's a foodie might and that's basically what's happening in the analysis industry where you've got potentially some people serving up some great dishes but you, you're feeding them to someone that like prefers to go to mcdonald's so like what's the point hello coaches we'll take our second and final break today please before you shoot off today get yourself on to apfa association of professional analysts if you're a coach or an analyst or you just have an interest in improving on the tactical side of the game please go ahead check it out apfa.io the website launches on monday so get yourself over there get involved absolutely brilliant to see what ollie has built we're really really excited modern soccer coach to get involved with them and help grow it apfa.io please go ahead check it out thank you so so there's going to be the the courses are still going to be there apfa there's going to be online courses there's going to be you're almost building a community that's going to educate going to expose to uh, opportunities going to expose to support as well yeah so um i i built a series of courses like we discussed called coach tech um in analysis um i've now brought in analysts from the outside you know working for clubs elsewhere brought more people into the conversation they've looked at the courses given feedback they've adapted them evolved them so we now have a set of courses that are not just my brain you know you're this is one person so you can only ever learn what i know uh, now we have eight or nine people that are all professional analysts contributing to courses and stuff so um we've kind of rejigged revamped the courses um which is one aspect of it which is education the other aspect of it a whole other side of it is is community and the the analysis industry in itself so um we're going to try and do you know regular webinars with analysts the coaches that work with them maybe both at the same time which would be fun you know to to kind of discuss the coach analyst relationship and give some real insight there um written content networking days 
we're going to put a jobs board on the site eventually just essentially just trying to make it somewhere you should go if you want to be an analyst if you are an analyst and you want to get better if you're a club that wants to hire an analyst this is where you post your job you know just just kind of make it like the the industry recognized the industry standard place that you go for analysis you know and that isn't to say um there isn't huge value elsewhere one thing we're going to do is continue to champion good work so we've got no interest in kind of swallowing up the analyst industry and and no one else can do anything like quite the opposite you know i we've just talked about a, a you know a rising tide floats all boats to uh to kind of use a bit of a cliche but in promoting other good work championing other good writers other good blogs whatever it is i think the industry as a whole gets better so we'll be pushing the the right people forward into prominent positions if we can you know people that are doing some great work we'll be trying to shine a light on them a little bit so uh, really just kind of supercharging the industry a little bit more and in the right way probably challenging some of this this stuff that doesn't add much value you know asking some questions like okay what's step what's step two you just highlighted step one what's step two do you have anything here or are you just you know so we'll see that might be the interesting part of things yeah I, I think there's a massive opportunity as well especially in the us where coaching courses in terms of just regular coach education is almost there's a, a bottleneck people can't get into course it's so difficult you have uh x amount of coaches there that are looking for continued education and actually have to prove that they're... if i'm a coach and maybe i'm not i don't want to be an analyst i actually enjoy being, but i do aspire to be i'd like to work at the professional level god i'd love to be a college head coach at division one i don't want to be an analyst you're going to have to communicate with an analyst and and that will merge what we talked about earlier about actually reading reports and actually there's, there's parts of that there that traditional coaching has to pick up on as well right yeah i mean in the same way that a good analyst should have a good base knowledge of coaching and you know maybe even sports science to a degree you know if you're if you're asking players to do something you have to make sure they can physically do it um a good head coach or a good coach should also understand how other industries work you know we're some of the courses we're providing or some of the education you know you we're not expecting people to take a course and be, you know, the best analyst in the world. And this is like getting your, your analyst pro license. Um, it's about having a base level, a good enough level of enough industries to, to take advantage of them. So the best head coaches in the world, they're not analysts, but they certainly know how analysis can help them and they know how to use an analyst. Well, just like they would do the same with a fitness coach or a return to play specialist or sports psychologists like then you know they're, they're good psychologists most head coaches but they're not a sports psychologist they know how to how to implement some of the most basic principles and then they know when and how to offload the rest to an expert and i think it's the same with coaches um yeah like you need to be a bit of a generalist these days like if you're going to be a college coach or a good youth coach or even a professional head coach in major league soccer or you know professional in europe the chances are you're going to have to understand this industry and use it well. So you might not be able to go and do a university degree in analysis, but doing a you know, a, an online qualification or, you know, a webinar series or whatever in analysis and understand that how that can help your process is only going to make you a better coach. 
yeah, you mentioned earlier there about the the Michelin star or the or the fast food, and and I think that's that's the skill of coaching today. Is if I was interviewing uh, for a college coach, or if I was uh, going in and, and evaluating against somebody, the first thing I would look at is is are they they might have a, a Michelin chef, but he might be flipping or she might be flipping hot dogs every day. You know, like they might be just doing useless work. Are you maximizing your speed? And you might not know that until you actually get an insight into analysis. And that's where I think you would have better experience than me. But some of the top practitioners, Premier League, they, their use of, of squeezing as much out of their staff is, is at a really, really high level. Yeah, um, I, would, I would agree. And some of the insight I've had into the college game in, in the US for obvious reasons, working there early on in my career, but also now continuing uh, to, to speak to college coaches and work with college coaches uh, to, a, to a small extent. Um, for me, there's a very, very real and very tangible difference between college coaches who kind of get it and understand it and those who don't. So I don't do it anymore, but through coach tech, uh, before I shut it down, I did consultancy where I, I drop into a program, interview them about all their processes, what they do and make some recommendations. And, um, obviously I had a very good experience at Virginia where I was hired as an analyst and George Galnovac used me very, very well. And he, he got it straight away. You know, he, first of all, he went out looking for me. So you kind of knew he was going to get it. Um, but he was really good at using sports science analysis, whatever it is, and just empowering people to be the experts of what they do. And another person that was absolutely incredible at that has been Mark Krikorian, uh, Florida state, who's now, you know, the director of football at, um, Washington spirit in the NWSL. He, he sought me out because he wanted help very specifically on some individual player profiling and how to do more on an individual level with his players. Uh, so I went through this process with him and at the end of it all, I was like, oh, kind of trying to search for stuff to try to recommend to him because I was like, he's doing it really well already. You know, um, we ended up building an analysis program there where he would fetch analysts in from the UK. They would do a master's while working for them, uh, for the school program, you know, and two, his last two analysts are now working professionally, um, yeah. in the, in the States. Um, so even, even within the college game, you can see the value in head coaches having a really deep, good understanding of how to use analysis, what they would do with it and the periphery, uh, not qualifications, but, you know, skill sets in themselves, right? Like he, they know exactly how to use what they can get out of these types of people. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. Finishing up. Coaches, analysts that are like, right, brilliant. This is an opportunity that I want to get involved in. What's the next step? Um, so it's Friday afternoon now, right? We're going live on Monday um, about 10 o'clock Eastern time, three o'clock in the UK. The website will go live. Uh, anyone that's signed up for the email list will get an email and just check us out. You know, we're, we're expecting it to be a slow build, you know, um, we have to expand our network. Uh, we have to start producing content and invite people onto webinars and start adding value to people for them to realize. But, um, we're really hoping 
coaches, analysts, anybody in between that wants to understand analysis better or go a step further and be an analyst, you know, uh, check us out, sign up, join the ecosystem and, and start learning and, and be a part of the, the project. So really excited for it. Love it. Ollie, excited. Can't wait to get going on it and, uh, and, and get involved and help out and take as much from it as I can. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, as ever, anything you need from me, just let me know. I really appreciate oh, it. Top class. Top class. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Ollie. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.